Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Life on the Illinois Prairie. I'm Wendy Fleming Dexter, your host, and today I have a wonderful and exciting guest that I've worked on getting for some time since I started the podcast, and I'd like to welcome Jennifer Roscoe to the show. Oh, thank you. So happy to be here, Wendy. You know how it is. Those of us who have watched you, we've had several people from, I've had several people from Channel 3 on, and we just feel like we know you, even though we don't, because you come into our homes so often, and you have been with, it doesn't seem possible looking at you, that you've been with WCIA as long as you have, 31 years. 31 years. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It is. After I'd been there for a while... I realized, oh, and that the joke I would make is, oh, I started when I was 17. I have to continually lower that age. So now I, I say, <laughs> oh, I started when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like to give a little history about, you know, your, your background, where you, were, where you were born and raised? And I know you went to school at U of I, but would you like to give a little bit of that background? Okay, sure. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. Elk Grove Village, to be exact. It's a northwest suburb of Chicago. And I then went to the U of I. In, I graduated, and I always kept, I can't remember. That's how old I am. Did I graduate in 92? And I, I graduated in 93 because I started interning at Channel 3 in 92. So I was a broadcast journalism major. And like I said, I started interning at Channel 3 the summer after my junior year, and I never left. <laughs> they could, they can't get rid of me. <laughs> well, you know, you fall into a long line of interns, because I believe everyone that I've talked to from the station, Kevin Lighty, Jacob Dickey, Matthew White, I think you all started there as interns. Is that correct? I know that, I, I'm sure they all did. If they didn't start there as interns, they started somewhere as an intern. Uh, When I go and talk to high school students or college students, I always say that that is the best way to not only get your foot in the door someplace, but really just to see if you want to do this as a career. It's a a really good opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, And you you go back to the time of of, uh, some legends, some people that hold very big places in so many people's hearts, Robert Reese and Dave Benton. Mm -hmm. Yes. I got very lucky to be able to work with both of them. Dave and I especially had a very close relationship because we worked together on the evening news. Robert, I knew we didn't see each other all that often because he worked Mm -hmm. the, the morning shift and I was on the evening shift. But it's still one big family. I know that sounds so cliche, but (laughs) Robert's children and my children were the same ages. And so we would 
we had this tradition where we would go, I'd bring my family to Tuscola and we would all, his family and my family, we'd go play at the park and then we'd go to the candy kitchen and we'd get lunch and then we'd go back to the park and then we'd go back to the candy kitchen to get ice cream <laughs> afterward. And those were some of my favorite Robert uh, memories. So when he got cancer, it was just really difficult to watch, but he handled it. Like, of course, you knew Robert would with humor and very self-deprecating. I mean, that was just Robert and mm. just incredible strength. Mm. And I remember being on a story going to Chicago and I was able to talk to him the night before he he died. I talked to his wife and she held the phone up to him. And I like to think that he could hear me. So I was able to tell him everything that I was feeling oh. and everything that I wanted him to know. So I'm glad I, I got that chance. Yeah. So that was hard. It was, I, I never had to, I, I, I report on lots of hard stories, but it was the first time where I had to walk into the newsroom and they said, okay, now you have to write an obituary story and <sighs> having to write that kind of story about someone you love and try to sum up their greatness in mm -hmm. a minute 30 while you're grieving is really, really difficult, but mm -hmm. it wasn't about me. It was about Robert. And so I, I did my very best and had to deliver the news uh, that night. And then it's terrible deja vu that then Dave also, it was a different kind of cancer. Dave had a glioblastoma. And I'm probably getting into a bunch of details and down this. Oh, not, no, please uh, do. Happy please do. topic. But so then Dave started at Channel 3 and he ended up being my. TV husband. He's <laughs> wonderful, fantastic to work with. He was my best friend at work and he was just my rock. And then he ended up getting diagnosed with cancer and again, handled it with such strength and never, ever wanted it to be about him. When we, I don't know how many people would remember, we recorded an announcement of his diagnosis in the other studio, it's what we call Studio B. And that ended up going viral that moment. Yeah. And he was getting phone calls from the Today Show for interviews, the Tribune, CBS This Morning. All of these different people wanted to interview him as the anchor who got cancer. Dave said no to every single interview. Because mm. he said, I am one of millions of people who get cancer. I'm nothing special just because I happen to be on TV. And he mm. never complained when he went through treatments. So he was just, he was, right? Everybody just, I, I wish if, if I, God forbid, ever get some type of diagnosis that I am able to deal with it like he did. So mm. again, it was, I was able to be there just minutes after he uh, died at his home. And Terry, his wife, and I held hands uh, over him and cried our eyes out. And because she said, mm -hmm. hey, you're, I'm his real wife. You're his TV wife. And we okay. sobbed together with his family. 
And, but again, that day I had to go into work and write another obituary package and mm. deliver the news on the air again. So those were, a lot of people will ask, how do you do these stories about all these terrible, terrible topics? And, and I always say, well, you know, you got to just shove it down and, and be a professional. And I would say those two stories were the, the two hardest to really try to hold the, the, feelings together and, and still do the job that you're supposed to do. So, but all of that being said, I was definitely blessed with working with both of those amazing people. That they handled their diagnoses with such dignity and uh, were such positive role models yes. for everyone. And mm-hmm. uh, I had, I had, it had often crossed my mind, too. That was almost a question I had wanted to pose to you. How do you deal with these increasingly negative stories that come our way, you know, more shootings and all, you know, the school shootings and all, but then having heard what you just said makes me understand that, you, you know, there's nothing any more personal than what you shared about those two men and the one that you shared about Dave, especially, you know, I can tell if, you know, I know it is a family there and like every family, there's going to be people that don't quite fit in and aren't quite in the same circle, you know, that, that you are, but you could do, you do feel that family sense. And just for Stacy and I've been up there for CI living and just in that little periphery, the little side that we're in, you can see, that firsthand how you guys get along but it does you have to have that chemistry i'm so number one so glad that you can feel that because i know people will go oh come on you really can't all get along that well and Mm -hmm. but i i don't think i would have stayed as long as i did if can you imagine hating the people you work with you're with them almost more than your own family and that would be mm-hmm. so depressing. So thankfully, just as there has been turnover around me, there have just been fabulous people who we we do a newscast and we always say that we wish the commercials were longer. <laughs> I should probably not say that because we're joking around and doing our own thing. And it's, oh gosh, all right, fine. We got to be quiet because we're in the middle of a conversation, right? <laughs> if you could only hear the uh, the... What's talked about in between the uh, news segments, that would be that would be a reality show. I always have said that if we continue to act completely the same, we would be the best reality show. I mean, thoroughly entertaining. There is drama. There's laughter. There are tears. It's, it's a whole thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I do really enjoy the people I work with. But then it's difficult when they leave. I'm the one who stays and, and, and Jessica Coons just left and that t- about tore my heart out. But the good thing is she's still in town. We still hang out. I get to go over and see her baby. Not such a baby anymore. Annie's getting older. Um, I get to babysit. And so that's good. I, I try to stay in touch with the, with the people who I still adore and love. That's that's a skill in and of itself that can't be taught in school. It can't be learned that being able to adapt to the changes of the people that come your way. Like you said, you're the one who's in place and has been that you have to, uh, and I know that people like Karina Rubio, when she moved into the evening slot, that must have, 
you know, uh, it just adds just a different element, a different spice to the whole mix. And you can see, you know, we can see the, you can't fake that. You cannot fake that kind of chemistry that you guys have. And it does come across very clearly. Well, and I believe that we have to get along. It's, or else you're not going to have a successful newscast, right? So it's mm-hmm. my job to make sure that when somebody new comes along, that they feel totally comfortable and not mm-hmm. kind of, oh, I'm the interloper, I'm the new kid on the block type of situation. Uh, we want everyone, because the more comfortable my co-anchor is, the better they're going to be able to deliver the news and do the happy chat mm-hmm. with weather and sports and, and whatnot. So we make sure that the new people around us, Kevin and I, Brett, he's been there forever. We just want to make sure that we can be as successful. But Nobody wants to turn on a newscast where people aren't getting along because people know, like you said, you can tell if two people are not getting along while they do the news. So I make it my job to make sure everybody's happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do it quite well, I do say. So, and Judy Fraser, <laughs> she's you. still, does she, does Judy come by the studio or, or do you get to see her on a regular basis? Cause I know you had the privilege of working with her also. Yes. Judy is one of my dear friends. We're forever friends. We still, I go over to her house and visit with her. I probably see her about once a month and then just out and about, I might see her at the grocery store, but actually sitting and chatting. And whenever I'm with Judy, we can sit three hours. We'll blow past and we'll look at each other and I'll go, Oh my gosh, Judy, I got to get to work. So she's just a dear. She still does sometimes come to the station uh, I know sometimes she's still doing her woolly worm forecast. She'll come by for that. Sometimes she'll be on CI Living for Things, or we might interview her about if there's a big weather event. And she's the weather historian, right? She delivered the news <laughs> if it was an event back in the 80s or, or whatnot. So we got to get Judy's perspective. So she's such a sport to always say yes, to come on. And yeah, I just love her and Lou and our our families are are still very close. See, I just keep people. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, and, you, and I'm I'm sure you have a large circle because uh, it's a large circle of friends. Well, actually, we're having a Channel Three reunion next week. First time oh, really? ever. We're having a Channel Three reunion. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my! How fun! How fun! Yeah, my news director, old news director Andy Miller, left. And I said, what do you want? You want to go in a way party? And he said, you know, I'd really like to get our family back together, meaning just our big work family. So I said, <gasps> okay, I will plan that. So that's, it's coming up in October, first weekend in November. So we've got, or excuse me, October. So we've got people coming from, I don't, I don't think anybody's flying in, but we've got people coming from Chicago area, from Indy, from, yeah, all over. Does this encompass things like CI Living and the different shows like that? Or is that going to be like CI Living people like the, or news people mostly? News people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, we've got people who work there in the seventies coming. Oh, how 60s exciting. And 70s, so. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. But the hook was Judy. A- Anna Carrera. And- um, Anna actually will not be coming because she just had a baby. Oh, really? Oh my Yes, her and Derek Faber. I don't know if you knew that. Her and Derek got married. 
Mm-hmm. So they have a son and they just had a baby. La- was it over the weekend? When did Derek text me? Little Vita. <laughs> She's adorable. So yes, yeah, so now they have a boy and a girl. Oh, I bet. I- and so Derek was on the fence if he was going to be able to come. Huh. So, you know, I want, one thing I wanted to talk about was you had done one of your Angels Among Us segments a year or so ago, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of segments about your story about being adopted and finding your birth mother. And when I've spoken to a few people, I, I, I always tell people who I want to have on, my dream guests, and when I, when I got a confirmation from you, it's like, oh, and I would I would say, you know, I want to talk about her adoption story. And many people apparently missed that segment because not everybody's riveted to the news like I am. I'm, <laughs> I grew up watching Channel 3. It's been my mainstay since I, I mean, I grew up, I'm 71. So I was born in 52 and the station was, you know, either not, it was coming on board about the same time. So I grew up watching it in black and white. But I've been a, I've been a loyal fan all of these years, and uh, so when, when somebody hasn't heard that story, it's like, oh, well, then maybe you'll hear it on the podcast because I'd like for you to share that if you would like. Yeah, well, we thank you for being such a loyal viewer for, for so long, Wendy. We appreciate that you moved from black and white to color. Thank you. Uh, so it's actually one of my when having to talk about Dave and Robert were some of the toughest stories I've had to do talking about my mom and finding my mom was, is my favorite ever. So yeah, <laughs> I, I love telling the story. It all started because I, yes, I was adopted and my parents who adopted me were always very open about the fact that I was adopted and we would celebrate my adoption day, just like we would a birthday. I would get presents and and flowers and it would be a big cell and a cake and it would be a big celebration because they said that was the day that God brought me into their lives. So that's May 10th is my adoption day. And my mom and dad were always very supportive. If I ever wanted to find my birth parents, they would help me out with that. So, but here's the thing at the time for a very long time, Illinois law didn't let you see your birth certificate. And my birth certificate had my adoptive parents' names on it. Well, the law changed. Now it's probably been about 11, maybe 11, 12 years ago. And so I filled out an application to get my original birth certificate. And about, I don't know, nine months there, because of course there was this huge rush of people wanting to do that. So they had thousands of applications and we know how fast the state of Illinois moves. So (laughs) about nine months after my application was in, uh, I remember I was home. So I must, I was still doing the 10 o'clock newscast and it came in the mail. So I went into the laundry room and I opened it up and there I am seeing my birth mother's name for the first time. So I, I had kids that I still had to take care of in between newscasts and I called work and I said, Hey, okay, this is my birth mother's name. See what you can find. Because we're all, we, as a journalist, really were little detectives. So everybody (laughs) at work started working on that. And I went back to work an hour later after my dinner break. And already, Sophia Beausoleil, who was a reporter at the time, she said, okay, I found the name of a man who has the same last name, is about the same age, and lives in the Chicago suburbs. And, and I have a phone number. So I call him and I lied because 
right? I needed to find a little information, but didn't necessarily want to say who I was. So the person answers the phone and I said, hi, do you happen to know a Leslie Paro? And he said, oh, that's my sister. I said, oh, okay. Is her name? I said, I'm been going through my mom's old things and her name keeps popping up. Uh, is she still alive? He said, yes, she's alive. I said, is she married? No, she's, she's not married anymore, but she does have two kids. So now at this point, I know I have a, a brother and a sister. And I said, okay. Uh, I said, I, I must've said something about my mom being a teacher at one point. And he said, oh, she's a retired principal. So now at this point, I know that she is successful, has her own money, because that was my concern. And I know after talking to so many people who are adopted, that's their concern before reaching out. You don't know who you're bringing into your life by making that connection. But I felt comfortable that okay, I know a little bit about her. I feel comfortable with this. Well, then this man, my uncle Don, now I know it's uncle Don says, do you want her number? I mean, who just is giving out her number to a total stranger? So I said, sure. So I have her number. I hang up and it's now about nine 15. I have to do the 10 o'clock news. I look at Dave Benton and we had this thing where we would always say to each other, what's your gut tell you? And I, so I said, Dave, I don't, I have her number. I don't know what to do. He said, what does your gut tell you? I said, my gut tells me to go call her. He said, then go do that. So there's a conference room off of the newsroom. So I go in there and I dial and a woman answers the phone and she says, hello. And I said, is this Leslie Perro? And she says, yes. And I said, did you have a baby on April 3rd, 1971? And she says, yes. And I say, I'm pretty sure you're my mom. So she starts bawling. I start bawling. And right, I've waited 40 some years to have this conversation. And I said to her, before we go any farther, I just, I've been waiting 40 years to tell you this. Thank you. I mean, that's all I wanted her to know more than anything else. I said, thank you for the decision that you made because I ended up having a great life. I had great parents and I was very happy. And I know it had to have been a very hard choice for you to make. Of course, we're crying more. Uh, Finally, (laughs) once we wrap our heads around what's happening, she said, are you okay? Are you married? I said, yes, I'm married. I said, you have two granddaughters. So of course, more tears. She told me about my brother and sister. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have a newscast to do. So that's what I told her. I go, I got to go. And she said, well, I don't, how are you going to do a newscast? I've obviously been sobbing. And I said, well, you don't, you don't know me, but you gave birth to a very type A personality. And I, I'll, I'll be able to do this. So I hang up with her and I walk out of the conference room and I had obviously had been talking because it had been about 15 minutes and I walk out, everybody's staring at me. And I said, you guys, I just <laughs> talked to my mom and Derek Fabert is crying. Everybody, oh. I mean, people are crying, people are in tears. But then at that point I had her, ma- her married name. 
because the maiden name doesn't give you much, right? But now I've got her mm-hmm. married name. So I said, okay, her ma- Leslie Eskelson. So now everybody in the newsroom, I don't know how a newscast got on that day. Everybody starts, <laughs> everybody's at the computer, Facebook, doing whatever, and Aaron Bennett says, I've got her picture. So he was the uh-huh. first one to go to Facebook. So now the 10 of us are around his computer. And for the very first time, I am seeing someone who looks like me. Oh. And that is one of those growing up, knowing you're adopted, being in crowds, sometimes thinking, am I related to somebody in this crowd? Is that person going to look like me? And nobody, nobody ever looked like me. And now I'm looking at almost a mirror image. We look so much like each other. So, so then I go, I pull myself together. I go and I'm sitting on the set and everybody in the newsroom is sending me messages. She likes red wine. Whenever they would find something about her from the internet or Facebook or whatever, I'm getting texts about her. So... I, I leave. And because it was happening so fast, I was never able to tell my husband what's happening. So I come home that night and I pulled up her picture on my iPad f- from her Facebook. And I, he's sleeping on the couch and I wake him up. He, he wakes up and I'm holding the iPad in front of his face. And I said, this is my mom. And he starts crying. I start crying some more and I tell him the whole story. And I remember that night going to bed and not wanting to fall asleep because I didn't (laughs) want to, I didn't want to stop feeling that feeling that I was having Mm -hmm. that, Oh my God, I found, I found her. The other best part of the story and maybe even really the best part. The next day I called my mom, my mom, mom. And I said, mom, I, I got my birth certificate in the mail. Oh, Jennifer, that's so fantastic. I said, and I actually found her and talked to her. Oh, Jennifer. And now she's crying. And you know, as a mom, of course you say, oh, you can go find her and all of that. But in that moment, did I really know how she was going to react? And so I was a little nervous about that. Let me tell you, this woman was so thrilled. She's crying. She said, Jennifer. I said, mom, I didn't know how you were going to feel. She goes, Jennifer, this is the answer to my prayers. Hmm. She goes, you always had a missing puzzle piece. She goes, and now it's complete. And now you can know her and we can all know her. And I can tell her, thank you for giving you to me. Yeah. So we, so <laughs> I called, I called Leslie back. We decided to meet for the first time on Mother's Day because I said, <laughs> you know, I love the drama. So uh, I brought my mom and my husband. I didn't bring the kids yet because I just wanted to see how things were going to go before I introduced them to everything. And my brother and sister were there. My brother's wife was there and their one son at the time. Uh, and we had brunch and we talked as if we had known each other forever. And I brought, my mom had brought my baby book. So we were looking at old pictures and she had old pictures. We exchanged some gifts and it was really 
Amazing. And so we have a day now. My sister and mom celebrate uh, Finders Keepers Day. And <laughs> we have just become so close. Tessa, my daughter, my youngest daughter, will say she now has three sides to her family. It's a, it's a triangle. And what's great is my moms live about 15 minutes away from each other. And they go out all the time with each other. And they will go to dinner and have cocktails. And it's funny because my mom, and then sometimes Leslie will drive my mom. My mom doesn't drive on the highways. She's older. And Leslie will bring her to Champagne. And my mom said when they first started coming with these long car rides, all they would talk about was me. And probably by the third time she goes, oh gosh, we don't even bring you up anymore. (laughs) I'm old news. They're just, they're best friends now. And they see each other all the time without me. And so I think these two women have this connection, but they're both just so grateful to each other that Mm -hmm. one had me and the other took me and took care of me. So It's really beautiful. And I know how lucky I am because I've talked to lots of people who are adopted and they don't have the same story. Uh, So I'm just, yeah, super lucky. You have a couple of incredibly selfless women mothers in your life, don't you? Absolutely. And I'm sure being being a mother yourself, I mean... You could put yourself in their shoes. I, I, you know, I don't have any children, so I can only, I can only imagine what that's like. So, what an amazing, incredibly beautiful story. Gosh, yeah, it's really very special. I'd say so. Do you have any any advice for other people who may be? And I get that question a lot. And and recently, I mean, I probably get asked. I would say maybe once every couple of months, hey, I've heard your adoption story. I'm thinking of going and doing it. And and how did you get the courage to do that and whatnot? And honestly, I will say it definitely helped to know a little bit about her because you Mm -hmm. do have to protect your own family. I had to protect my kids before I was able to introduce them and bring somebody into our lives. But once I had that information, you just have to open your heart and know, okay, maybe it's not going to work, but if it does, my gosh, you could have somebody else in your life who loves you. And where's the harm in that? That's only a good thing to have more people who support you. You ever wonder if some of those wonderful people that you've known in your life that have gone on, have passed on, are up there pulling the strings, making some of these wonderful connections happen to you? I, I really, my number one would be my dad, my dad, who, uh, he passed away when I was 19. So uh, he, yeah, uh, he's been up there for a long time looking out for me mm-hmm. for sure. Well, that's, that's a, that's an amazing story. You spoke about your husband. Uh, I see you guys celebrated your 25th wedding anniversary. Is that correct? We did on Monday. Congratulations. Yeah, and I, I see that you, you met so him at the uh, Pirates Cove Amusement Park. What? Where was that? Well, actually, we I've known him since grade school. So we oh. he was in th- I was in third grade. He was in fourth grade when his school consolidated and came over to mine. So I've known him. Uh, how old are you in third grade? Eight. 
at eight or nine, something like that. Uh, so I've known him for a very good long time. And then we ended up working at the same place. Like you said, it's called Pirate's Cove. And it's just this little kid amusement park run by the park district in Elk Grove Village. And he was my manager for a while. I worked there. I think I worked there for seven years. We both worked there a really long time. I ended up becoming a manager. But when we started dating, everybody else who worked there said, yeah, we could totally see this. But we never really saw because we would fight. I mean, we did not like each other in high school. He, we just ran in different circles and I thought he was annoying. He thought I was a nerd, that whole thing. Uh, and it wasn't until the summer after, when was it? Summer after my sophomore year that of college that we started dating. And I remember going home. He had asked me out on a date. And I remember going home saying, mom, I have a date. And she said, with who? I said, Oh, TJ Tommaso. And she said, what? I said, yeah, I'll be home early. I really didn't think much of it. And that was, oh my gosh. What year was that? 1990. That was 1990. That we, we started dating. So do the math. That's, that's a good long time. Oh well, that twenty-five years you've been married—that's a—that's a pretty good, pretty good run too. Plus all the years before that. So, mm-hmm. we spoke just briefly here before we started about social media, and I know that it's that is something that was not in place when you started your career, and um, I know that it's Thank a double-edged God. sword. <laughs> yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I know that it's a good way to get information out and. And it's in, in terms of the weather team, it's a good way to get some information in and out when they need to notify people what's going on. But as far as the personal attacks on on um, personalities, I, I just I could not imagine somebody coming up to Judy Fraser and accosting her in a grocery store and saying terrible things to her like people would say on social media. I mean, we're in, we live in such a different world. And I don't know if there's anything that's addressed at the studio or at your station level about how to deal with those things, or is that just something that's dealt with by individuals, you know, to try, try to combat some of the negativity and that kind of thing? Yeah, I will say, when people will say, oh, how has journalism changed over the years, over the course of your career? I will say, the internet is the best thing that ever happened to us and the worst thing that ever happened to us. The best because Mm -hmm. it opened up different aspects of the the world in terms of the video we could get and in terms of news and content and and whatnot. Uh, But then social media has been the worst aspect of it. I, if my daughter said, Hey, I want to go into TV news. I don't know, honestly, if I would say that's a good idea or not, even though, no, now I probably will. She, we need more journalists. I don't want. We need lots and lots of journalists to go into the business. But you do have to have a very thick skin. Back when I started, if somebody wanted to make a negative comment, they actually had to look us up in a phone book, find the number, and they would call the receptionist. She would type up the negative comment and then keep it in a Manila folder at the front desk. And I worked on Saturdays. And so every Saturday I would sneak up to the front, open up the folder and kind of hold my breath 
hoping I wasn't going to see a comment about myself in the folder because then that folder went to the general manager and the news director. So that back in the day is how people were nasty. Now Mm. it's just very easy and it shocks me sometimes. You think it's these anonymous. No, these people are using their actual names and their own profiles on Facebook. I remember one time we had uh, Derek, it was when Derek was doing weather and we were doing, uh, I don't remember the weather. I think it was, I don't know if it was snow, tornado, whatever, severe weather coverage. And we had cut into the Bears game. And some guy sent a message saying he hoped my my children would die in a car wreck. Because we were covering up the football game. So it's, and what do you do? You don't do anything. You just, you block them. You just, it, it makes for a story to tell, to, to let people mm-hmm. know, knock it off. I, it really yeah. is cruel. And if I were, if I, when I was 22 years old, reading these comments, I don't know if I, how I would take it. Now, when I get the nasty comments, uh, good Lord, I'm 52. I don't really care. And some Mm. of the comments that I'll get, uh, they can roll off, right? Roll off my back. But when you're 22, 23 years old and you, and this is, I just spoke to a group and I said, told this story that everybody when they're learning a job, nobody's good at that. When you first get out of college and you start working, you learn how to do the job and you get the experience and then you become better at it. That's how this goes. The problem with our job is that it's in front of thousands of eyes. And so those people will, oh, he's terrible. She's got ugly hair. You know, I mean, they, like when we started, Wendy, you feel like, you know us because we're in your home. People think that they can say those things to yeah. the people on TV and you just, so, okay. So the question was, how do you deal with that? I just, I tell people ignore, it doesn't matter. That's one person. Uh, sometimes people may, there may be a, tr- a nugget of truth in what they're saying. So sometimes I will read it and think about what they're saying, but you just have to, you have to let it go. And I also tell people you can't respond. I always say, don't react because that person on the other side of the computer can always go lower than you. There's going to come a point if you get into some type of stupid back and forth on the computer, eventually you can't respond to where, whatever they're throwing at you because it's Mm -hmm. unprofessional. And so you just have to be the bigger person and ignore it. Well, the total total lack of respect from the public sometimes is appalling and shocking to me that people would would treat somebody like that. I uh, it's it's appalling is the only word I can think of. And and you're you know you you can't sink to their that their depth, but it certainly, like you said, when they use their real name, their real profile, they're revealing things about their own character that are there. And there they will stay Absolutely. out, and and uh, you know if that if that's how they choose to have their legacy remain on online, they, they can choose to do that, I suppose. But um, I I admire those of you who understand that you you know you have to keep your head above water. Yeah, I I mean people are dumb. 
Well, they, they, that yeah, that's the kindest thing you can say about some of them. But uh, you guys really do your best to keep your head above water. Okay, but I also don't want to end on me going. People are dumb. Well, I want to say <laughs> is that the majority. We can't end like that, Wendy. I mean, the majority, <laughs> the vast majority of our viewers are supportive. They enjoy what we're doing. They feel like they are part of the family. People, when I am out and about, are incredibly respectful. I honestly cannot think of one time when I've had some type of negative interaction with somebody who wants to come up and tell me how they feel. I mean, really, it's just people are really kind. And I, again, I wouldn't have been at Channel 3 as long as I have been if it wasn't a, a positive experience for me and my family. So I'm just mm -hmm. grateful for viewers just like you, Wendy, who've been watching forever <laughs> and, and those who are new. We we really hope that we're we're doing our jobs in the best possible way. Right. And social media is just one small reflection of of what goes on. And you all do such a wonderful job day in and day out, you know, to bring the news to all of us and and to keep things positive as, as best you can. And for every negative comment that comes across on social media, there are a hundred positive ones because those of us who are loyal to Channel 3 are very loyal. I know that the uh, every time there's a, a, a dispute between either Dish Network and Nextar and or DirecTV and Nextar, oh, and I, I've been with one. I'm without it too. It just breaks. My, you know, it's not the day's not the same when the when you can't when it's just the routine that we've been in, and and it's a very pleasant routine to start my day with all of you. And uh, I'm with you through the whole day when I have to watch another station. It's just, it's, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> but, but uh, those disputes come down. So many people were coming up to me complaining about the dispute with DirecTV. And I'd say, yeah, I can't watch me either. I have DirecTV. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, wish, I wish it would be over. So when fine, I kept telling people, once, once football starts, they're going to come to an agreement. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm glad it's been settled at least at least for now. Well, Jennifer, thank you. I know that you are so busy, and it's been a pleasure. I'm glad we're able to nail down a time that worked for us. And thank you again for coming on. <laughs> and so I think that's going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you, Wendy. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining me. I'm Wendy Fleming Dexter, and thank you for joining me today on. Life on the Illinois Prairie. If you like this podcast, please like and share. Share it with your friends and family, and please subscribe. And we'll see you next week. And please, everyone, be kind. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.